Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you may be listening. This is the Generations Church podcast, and we're right in the middle of our series entitled Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, where we'll be exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. My name is Vinny Henke, and once again, I'm here with Jeff Ludington, lead pastor of Generations Church. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Vinny. How are you? I'm doing well, brother. I just had some almonds. I'm feeling great. Oh, good. Are they going to be stuck on your teeth? Hopefully not. This is a podcast, though, not radio, TV, so we're good. Good thing. Yeah. You know, I'm really, I, I again, I say this a lot, but I'm excited about this, this podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude, the Heidelberg Catechism. This is reaching deep in our historical roots to really increase our Christianity. This is a discipleship tool. If you've not been listening, if you're catching this one, we've got an introduction to this, and we've got the first three weeks or three Lord's Days. We explain all that. But a catechism in general is a learning system by asking a prepared question and memorizing a prepared answer. So we're learning by answering, learning the right answer. And so today, it's Lord's Day 4. These were built to be done on Sundays uh, or for the week that starts on a Sunday. A father to teach a son, a discipler to teach a disciple. And so this is Lord's Day 4 or the fourth week of study. It's going to have three questions in them, typically called questions 9, 10, and 11, because they are numbered from uh, the first one all the way to the end. Uh, we're going to look at those three questions today. We'll do them one at a time. I'm going to read them as if I am the disciple, or Pastor Vinny's going to give us the answer as if he is the disciple. And then we'll tie this to some modern day things, some things that we get asked commonly in ministry. So here it is, Lord's Day 4. The first question, number 9, says, but doesn't God do us an injustice by requiring in his law what we are unable to do? Answer 9, no, God created humans with the ability to keep the law. They, however, tempted by the devil in reckless disobedience, robbed themselves and all their descendants of these gifts. And so here in question nine, we're looking at this question, is, isn't God unfair by requiring of humanity to do what we are so clearly unable to do because of our sin nature? How would you begin to address that question or kind of work with that theme? Isn't God unfair for calling us to be what we seemingly can't be? Right, right. You know, Leviticus 11 uh, verse 44, and it repeats, God repeats himself in verse 45, but it says, For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Again, some more words. And then he says it again, Be holy, for I am holy. And so when we think about this, when we think about what holiness is, I think we often limit holiness to perfection. And, and that's, that's probably true. Perfection's one definition of it. But the holiness of God is about God's completely otherness, right? God is set apart to glorify God. When we're called to be holy, we're called to glorify God, to set apart God as holy, to live to glorify God, to not glorify ourselves, to bring glory and honor to God. Now, the, the key here is that's how we were designed to be, right? So is it an injustice for God to require us to live the way he created us? And then the answer really says, no, that's how we created us, but we broke it. So if we, if we go all the way back to the garden, if we go all the way back to where sin enters into human history, here's what it was right before, here's what takes place and what happens after. And so right before, humanity is sinless, gets to talk to God, know God, be in God's presence, right? And 
you know, among God, the very things we desire as broken, sinful Christians, we want to hear God's voice. We want to be in God's presence. We want to know God more deeply. But the things that limit us are our sin. Now, God created us to be obedient. And really where this all takes place, and the question that I get is, well, really, why did God put that one tree in the garden that they couldn't have? And I, and I think it's a fair question. When, but, but look at the context. As I read Genesis 3, it's as if God created hundreds of trees, all this fruit, all these vegetables, all these things you can eat, everything. And it talks about it, it looking good, it, it tasting, it, it is pleasing. So God created a bunch of different things, all of them good for you except one. But really, because we were designed to be obedient followers of God, that we are designed to glorify God, then really there has to be a way that we can disobey God. And so God has to create this opportunity for us to fall short of how we were made to be. And so is it, is it fair to ask us to live the way he created us? Yes. Right. Can we do that? Not anymore. Because sin is entered in and wrecked it. But sin didn't change God. Sin changed humanity. Right. The reckless disobedience, the answer right. alludes to, uh, when it tells us that after being tempted by the devil in our reckless obedience, our original parents, Adam and Eve, robbed themselves and all their descendants of these gifts. That is the ability right. to be truly holy, truly righteous, and truly obedient to God. Yeah. The, I, I don't think we understand the depth of sin. And really, this is the final day, uh, the final set of questions in the section, the catechism, we, we've named guilt, right? So guilt, grace, gratitude are kind of the, the nicknames. Guilt is our problem, the sin that we're in. Grace is God's solution to all that. Gratitude is how we respond, right? And the, the vast majority of it will be in the rest of those two sections. Starting next week, we'll start looking at the deliverance from our sin, God's salvation. But today, we, we kind of punctuate and, 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 and highlight the depth of our sin. And, and in this, as we were created and in the best of circumstances, as we were designed to glorify God through temptation and a willful disobedience, humanity separated itself from God. And so that has forever uh, wrecked humanity. Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right? If because of one man's trespasses, death reigned from that one man, you know, death through Adam reigns even now today that we, we still have physical death, spiritual death, sin, all these things because Adam sinned. It just goes on and says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification for life of all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Right? It goes, and of course, Paul is writing in Romans, so Paul is not bound to just guilt. So he's going back and forth between the impact that Adam made on humanity and then, of course, the impact Christ makes on those who follow him. But the question is, is God being unfair, unjust, committing an injustice by asking us to obey perfectly the commands he's given us? And the answer is no. He made us to glorify himself. So as we go into the next question, we take that idea that we are sinful, that we are, that we are guilty, that we are depraved, that we are so deeply indebted to God that we deserve punishment, or, or, or do we? That's the question. So I'll just read it. Question 10 says this. 
Will God permit such disobedience and rebellion to go unpunished? Answer 10 reads, certainly not. He's terribly angry about the sin we were born with, as well as the sins we personally commit. As a just judge, he punishes them now and in eternity. He has declared, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That's heavy. I mean, we're reading about God as someone who is terribly angry with sin, both the sin that we've inherited and the personal sins we commit. This sure seems like the opposite of the God I hear about in the world and in culture that's just all about love and Mm. mercy and kindness. I mean, the God we're reading about here, how could that loving God really send people to hell or send people to punishment? How, How do you wrestle with that question or... Yeah, that's a, so that's such a common question, right? How can a loving God send a person to hell, right? If hell is eternal death, if hell is eternal punishment, if hell is separation from God, how can a loving God send a person to hell? And, I, and there's, there's a few problems even in the question. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast, here's, here's something just to think about. And, and this is, we're not going to unpack this today, but we will over time. Sometimes the problem is in the question, It's not really the answer, right? Right. We've just defined God as loving. So how can a loving God send a person to hell? That's the question, right? Right. And and we've limited now, defined God by one attribute, which is love. Right. So how can a loving God, because that's the thing that must control God, is love. And I'm not saying God is unloving, but I, I would suggest this. When we look through the Bible, if you were to read from cover to cover in the Bible, the number one attribute about God is holiness, and, and holiness is this, this complete otherness, right? That God exists to be God's glory, right? And we're created holy, right? That was the whole point. Yeah. We were created to bring God glory, but we didn't. We decided to bring ourselves glory. We decided to go our own way. But if God exists as holiness, as righteousness, as perfect justice as well as perfect peace and love, then there's a collection of things. We're not limited to just love. So let me, let me ask you this. So in fact, you, I know you recently had an example and you can share that, but when someone does something wrong to you, don't you want justice? Yeah, absolutely. And like you alluded to, we had some personal injustice uh, that we suffered where we had someone come and just randomly vandalize our vehicles. And even despite you know, catching the act on video, we didn't have a clear identity, so we were left with bearing the expense of the, of mm-hmm. the vandalism, um, left with no answers in terms of motivation why someone would do this, and left in terms of no answers to the identity. So essentially unable to seek out justice for ourselves. And so apart from Christ, I've just left it in a frustrated state because mm-hmm. I've suffered an injustice but have no way to, to, to make it fair. But because I understand God's attribute as not only love, but also as just, I can trust him that I don't know who did this to me, but he does. Mm. I don't have a way to make it even, but he does and one day will. And so I can take peace in knowing that the individual who has wounded me will have to answer to a higher authority. One who I can trust is completely fair and completely just in his dealings. Yeah. So is it wrong... Even in our flawed human existence, and we'll get to some of the flaws in that in a minute, but in our flawed human existence, is, is it wrong to want justice? No, I think we cry out for it because we're made in the image of God, right. who himself is just. And so my desire to seek recompense you know, for what was done to me is a part of how God has designed me. Whenever we're 
wounded, we, we, we seek to make that right or to make ourselves whole at the expense of those who've wounded us. Yeah. That That is seeking justice. Part of that's, again, it's natural because we're made in the image of God. So I, you know, I mean, I know about it. I, I've known about it since it happened. I've seen the videos. I, I've watched as that person comes up and throws a bottle and then hits, you know, with a baseball bat and does damage to your vehicles and then takes off again, right? So, you know, who's left to clean up the glass? You are, right. Yep. right? Who's left to pay the co-pays to the insurance companies or whatever or, yeah. you know, pay for the windows because you don't want your insurance to go up? I mean, we're always caught in that kind of thing too, right? And so you paid for something you did not do. So justice isn't wrong. You desire justice. Right. So is, is a loving God, so are, I think you're a loving human being. I think you're a, right. a, a very caring human being. I think if that person came back, admitted it, and apologized to you, you'd just, I think you'd handle it well. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're a loving person. But justice isn't wrong. We want justice all the time. We watch the news. We see things people do, and, and we want justice. Now, I've, I've used this example, and I want to start getting into some of the flaws of justice, human justice, right. not God's justice, but human justice. So we watch on a news story, and uh, we'll see a crime. And, and one of the things that was taking place, not really in the last year or two, but prior to that, it was very common in the news, which you would hear about a, an unarmed black man being shot by a cop. Right. And, right. and I've often pushed on this because I think this is important for us, because immediately when we hear that, we we hear that story on the news or we hear it told, we read it on the newspaper, we read it on social media, whatever it is, we tend to want justice. And, and when I say that, we want our flawed human justice. And, and here's how yeah. I, I, we can start breaking that down. If you immediately identify with the young man who was shot or if you immediately identify with the cop, if you just picked a team by hearing a headline that was a headline, in fact, the way I said it, doesn't even assign any blame, right? An unarmed black man shot by a cop. That doesn't place blame. We don't know anything else. But if you immediately identify, you're showing bias. Right. And we all want justice, but we have a flawed version of justice. And so very hard for us to untether ourselves to our human biases, to understand God's justice, to separate ourselves from our human flaws, to really see that 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 perfect, holy justice. It, the questions again begin from the human perspective, right? And what we're talking about here is an eternal, divine perspective—one even at our best, which we can't fully grasp and understand, right? So the third question really uh, starts to ask, and, and really starts to play on some of our flaws. And so, it, the the third question for today, question eleven. But isn't God also merciful? The answer 11, God is certainly merciful, but he is also just. His justice demands that sin committed against his supreme majesty be punished with the supreme penalty, eternal punishment of body and soul. Hmm. So again, this taps into that perspective we were just talking about. I mean, like I read these words and, and look at that sin has been committed against supreme majesty. And that, therefore, is worthy of a supreme penalty. Can you maybe develop that a little bit more and, and help us understand that God is certainly merciful. We're, give, we're granted that little window, yeah. but then right back to justice. But he's also just, and justice demands a supreme penalty for that which is committed against supreme majesty. Yeah. Well, let's take mercy. Uh, here's, here's what I, I... When sins are committed against us, we want justice. 
But when we do sin, we want mercy. And here, here's an example. So take that same thing. Take the very same sin that was committed against you. And I'll use that language. Sin was committed against you when someone vandalized your cars. Someone sinned. They did the wrong thing. I think right. we can all agree it's the wrong thing. It was unprovoked, whether it's a mistaken identity or, or random kids doing stupid you know, stuff, whatever. You were sinned against. Well, let's flip this over. Now, it's not you that's the owner of the cars, but it's you, the father of the young man. So you've got a 13-year-old son, and, and, yeah. and I don't believe Noah would do this, but let's imagine Noah's on a sleepover with his buddies, and they decide we're going to go out and we're going to break some windows. And for whatever reason, he loses his mind. He goes out and he does it, but he gets caught. Well, now you're the dad. And now in that situation, what do you want for your son? I want mercy. I want you know the right. par- party to to grant forgiveness and to reduce the penalty uh, that is deserved you know down as far as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you would be that dad who'd be willing to stand in the gap and say, "Listen, Your Honor, l- let me let me pay the penalty, and I will assure you, <laughs> I'm gonna take my son home. He's not gonna be able right. to sit for a month, you right. know. And and uh, I'm gonna convince him that this is the wrong thing, right? So here's where we we have a flawed sense of justice in our humanity right? Tweak a little detail and we want an entirely different outcome, right? Well, now we don't want justice for the cars. We want mercy for our son. But see, God is above all of that. God is lifted up above the flaws and the biases of humanity. God is not immediately to jump to the, you know, ethnicity of a victim or the, you know, the job of a perpetrator or the, the owner of the car or the father. He's, he's there just for perfect justice, Right? And so we have to untether ourselves from the humanity of the conversation to rise above yeah. and say, justice is necessary. Yes, there is mercy, but justice is required. Right. So even if we have been wronged, right? even if we don't know who wronged us or what wronged us, we desire a justice. And when we're, when we're the one in the wrong, we desire mercy, but we understand there's a need for a penalty. So yes, God is just, and yes, God is merciful, and it is not unjust of God to punish sin. There's a good place for us to park. Yeah. And just, again, if I can reiterate one thing, this is the final question and answer. This is the final lesson on our deep sin. And, and one of the things that we need to take away from this is that no matter what our background is, uh, that we're sinful. Uh, mine are really clear. You know, I come from drugs and, and, and crime and all those other things. But Pastor Vinny, you don't come from that. How, how do you understand the depth of your sin without having done the, the obvious things I did? Yeah, I think it, it comes back to understanding by nature is that we sin. And so it's rooted not in the actions I take, but in the identity of who I am apart from God's grace. And so once I understand that, then I can begin to reinterpret the actions. So mm. one of the great sins that you know, we wrestle with is pride. And so if I understand that I'm a sinner by nature, then I can examine the choices I make according and through my pride so that the, even those things that I look at that are a good decision, quote-unquote, if they are not motivated completely and fully out of a love for God, they are tainted by sin because mm. they become motivated out of pride. You know, do I do the, am I making the right choice to honor God and to worship him, or am I making the right choice because of the benefit that I might receive from it? Yep. 
So if we're created to give glory to God, if we are created to be worshipers of God, anything we do outside of that is sin. Yep. Anything that brings our own selves glory, anything that brings uh, any lack of glory to another, whether it be vandalism or anything else, anything that doesn't bring glory to God is sinful. Yep. And it is justly punished by God. The whole point of these opening questions and this deep dive into the guilt and sin of man is to tee up the next section where it says, listen, because of all this, you need a Savior. And so we'll, we'll park there, we'll, answer, we'll begin to answer those questions in the next podcast to come. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.com.